awesome. So I think we have a really awesome opportunity with doing our live stream this year for the Christmas Eve services. So I really encourage you to grab some of these invites on the tables on the way out. Invite your friends and neighbors. Post it on social media. If people are not comfortable coming in person, they can watch online. It'll be streaming online. So make sure you take advantage to do that. I just think we have a great opportunity. Uh, people are open to the gospel. It's been a crazy year, right? And so we know we can find hope in the gospel. We know that we can find hope in this season uh, that we're in. We are in the Advent season, and I just love these Bonhoeffer quotes that he says about Advent. This is uh, what he has said many years ago. He says, a prison cell in which one waits, hopes, and is completely, is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside. It's not a bad picture of the Advent. You know, all of us find freedom and hope in Jesus. In this Advent season, not only are we celebrating the birth of Christ, but we're anticipating him coming again and redeeming all things and setting us free once and for all. And that's what this season really is about. And so I hope uh, you take a few moments during this Advent season to remember and, and celebrate what it's really about as we continue to work through uh, the book of Genesis this morning. It's such a great reminder and such a great hope to think in this Advent season. So I'm so thankful for uh, this time that we get to spend together. This morning we're talking about a reunion. And it's awesome having reunions. Last week, uh, if you were here uh, during the 1030 service, this whole section over here was a bunch of college students uh, that I was able to pastor many, many years ago, over a decade ago when I was doing the college ministry here at Good News. And they came from all over the place and came back to surprise me. And it was an awesome surprise and gr a great reunion. And this morning we're talking about a father's reunion. We're talking about Joseph and Jacob being reunited, and we're going to talk about a father's love. In fact, the point for this morning is that we all long for a father's love. Some of you have great fathers, and you have a great relationship with your earthly father, but I know a lot of you don't, and you've longed for having a, uh, a father's love. Each and every one of us can experience a father's love as we talk about this reunion this morning. I've got a two-minute clip that I want to show you just about a great reunion of uh, this military dad coming back and surprising his son. And I just, I just love these. So check, these out. check this out. Two minutes long here. Last time I was here at Clemson, talked to Coach Sweeney, left about three days later. You have since come to school as a freshman. Glad you're working hard. I know you're uh, making some good friends on your team. You think I'm in Afghanistan right now? I'm here to surprise you, man. You're out on the field right now. Hopefully you're surprised. I know you think you, you know more uh, about the surprise than we do, but you're lost, man. I love you, man. I'm proud of you. Thanks to all the coaching staff and all your teammates.
Clemson for making this happen. We appreciate it. And my wife appreciates it. All my family appreciates it. So thank you, guys. Hello. Hello. There we go. Got so emotional, my mic went out. Uh, uh, it's, there's something about that. There's something that gets us with that, isn't there? Um, because we, we all long for a father's love. And the reunion that we get to talk about this morning is really awesome. Um, if you're new here, we're so thankful that you're here. If you're watching online, we're so thankful that you're here uh, for the first time. And to review a little bit about where we've been, we've been focusing on Joseph's life for the last several weeks. And Joseph had all these dreams about his brothers. And these dreams were about his brothers bowing down to him, that they would, they would be servants to him. And his brothers didn't like that too much. Imagine if your sibling did that to you. If you have siblings, you can, if you don't have siblings, you can just imagine that, right? And they didn't like that at all. They saw that Jacob, the dad, really favored him. Um, and so they came up with a plan to, to kill him, and then uh, they decided they would sell him into slavery instead, but then tell Jacob that he died, so he gets sold into slavery. They tell Jacob that he is, he's dead, that an uh, animal killed him, and he's actually sold into slavery, sold into Potiphar's house. Potiphar is a uh, very high-level leader. He's working through Joseph's life. Then Potiphar's wife sets him up and tries to seduce him, uh, Joseph runs from the situation, but Potiphar's wife claims that, um, that he tried to uh, attack her, tried to have sex with her, and he's put into prison. He's put into prison for uh, a time, and he's sitting there wondering, I can just imagine wondering what God is up to. And while he's in prison, the cupbearer comes and has this dream, and he has a uh, a time to interpret the dream about him. What he interprets comes true, but the cupbearer forgets about him for two years, so he still is sitting in prison, even though the cupbearer said that he would help him out because, he, because Joseph helped him out. And then finally, after two years, he remembers when Pharaoh has a dream, a strange dream about fat calves and, and, and skinny calves and grain and, and fields. And he says, listen, there was a guy in prison and he can interpret your dreams. So he comes and interprets Ferret's dreams exactly to what it is, that there's going to be a, a, a feast, time of feasting and a time of famine. And so Pharaoh puts him in charge of everything, and that's exactly what happens. There's a time where there's plenty, and there's time where there's a famine. And now Joseph's brothers have come uh, to Egypt, and they are coming there to get the grain. They're coming there to get the food. And now they're going back to their father, Jacob, to come and bring him for a great reunion of the father's love. And that's where we pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 46. So Israel, now remember, uh, Jacob is sometimes referred to as Israel, and it's going to go back and forth here through the story between Israel and Jacob. It's the same person. So Israel set out with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will uh, close your eyes. So 
Jacob heads out to, to meet Joseph, and he stops in Beersheba, where he had lived uh, with his father Isaac, and he stops there to just recognize what God has done in his life. And this is also the southern border, so this was kind of the place of no return. Once he crosses over that and goes into Egypt, he's making a stand. He's saying that I probably am not ever going to come back to this land. So he just stops there, even though he knows he's going to see his son that he hasn't seen in a long time. He stops there and he says, okay, am I really going to do this? Is God really in this? And God is so gracious. We have such an amazing heavenly father that's so gracious to us. And over Jacob's life, he's been so gracious to Jacob. Eight times he's spoken directly to Jacob and reassured him about things that are going on in his life. Remember, Jacob was far from a perfect person. I mean, as you go back and look at the story, he made lots of mistakes, but he certainly through those mistakes, he learned and kept trying to worship God. And so here, God, as an amazing Heavenly Father, reassures him. Aren't you so glad that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a Heavenly Father that reassures you in times of doubt? Because we all go through them, right? We all th go through times of doubt all the time. And we have a Heavenly Father. If we seek Him, we read His Word, He reassures us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens here. He reassures him that, yes, go down there to Egypt. You're going to go into a wealthy nation. I'm going to use you in awesome ways. Go ahead, do it. And so he hears from God, and then he knows. He knows what he's supposed to do, so he crosses over the border. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives and the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport, transport them. They also took with them livestock and the possessions they acquired in Canaan. And Jacob and all of his offspring went to Egypt. He took with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. So he's got a huge entourage that's coming into to Egypt, and he is ready for this reunion. He's bringing everyone with him. He can't wait to have this reunion with everyone. Then we get to verses 8 through 25, and I'd like a volunteer to come up and read that. Lots of names here. This is a, a great uh, genealogy of uh, what happened through the tribes of, of Israel. The most important thing to learn about this is, and, and genealogies are wildly important, is that we see God's faithfulness through all of the generations. We see the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel go out here. We see all of, of, of uh, Jacob's sons, and we see God's faithfulness through the next generation. All the sons have children. We see Reuben having four children, and Simeon having six, and Levi having three children, and Judah having five, and Issachar having four children, and Zebulun having three children, and Gad having seven children, and Asher having six, and Joseph having two, and Benjamin having ten, Dan having one, Naphtali having four children. We just see the faithfulness of God through the generations, the Father's love on this family uh, as they um, continue to seek and come after God. So then in verse 26, it says, All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his son's wives, numbered 66, 66 persons with the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family, 
which went to Egypt were 70 in all. And just a side note, it's just interesting, 70 is a really special number in Scripture. There were 70 elders in Numbers uh, chapter 11. There were 70 years of captivity in Second Chronicles. There were 70 weeks determined, uh, determined on the people of Israel to finish the transgression in Daniel. There were 70 translators of the Septuagint from, of the Old Testament into Greek. There were 70 uh, members of the Sanhedrin in the days of Christ and 70 witnesses to Israel sent by Christ. There's just something special about that number 70. Scripture continues on here. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had, had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen with, to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die, since I've seen for myself that you are still alive. You know, that video I showed of the, the father hugging the son. And can you imagine that after 22 years, Jacob thinking that Joseph had long died. Now he gets to embrace his son again. That reunion is so amazing. We long for the Father's love. And we see the picture of that here. Of a, a long, long time apart, the reunion comes together. And he even says, now that I've seen you, I can, I can die in peace. I can die in peace knowing that you are truly alive. The amount of emotion, the amount of love, the amount of healing that must have happened in that moment. We all long for that. We all long for a Father's love. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who are living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds and they tend livestock and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you and asks, What's your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood just like our fathers did. Then you'll be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen. For all the shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. I mean, this is really interesting uh, end of the story. They all come to Egypt, and Pharaoh uh, really looks highly on Joseph. Joseph's done a tremendous job taking care of uh, the kingdom that, that Pharaoh was in charge of. But theologians, scholars have determined, and you see it here in the scripture too, that for whatever reason, the Egyptians really didn't like shepherds. They didn't like them at all. And so... Joseph knows that, and so they come up with a plan to live in Egypt, but live a little bit outside, away from the people, uh, just to get the transition going. And so they set up the place for them to live. You know, through this story, we just see this amazing reunion, and, and then the following chapters, we see them starting to live uh, their lives together. And listen, Jacob was far from a perfect dad. I mean, he did things to honor God, absolutely, but he certainly did things that were uh, detestable to God, too. And so I think as we think about our relationship with our own earthly fathers, if there are things that uh, just really upset you, uh, are there things that really bring you joy? I want you to know you can find so much more in your heavenly father, that we all long for that father's love. And the action step for us is to remember and share the Father's love. One thing I think is very important that we know, that we need to know from Scripture, is that we're not all God's children. Not all people on earth are God's children. In fact, in 
Scripture makes it very, very clear about that. It says this in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. And then in uh, 1 John chapter uh, 3, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason why the world does not know, that it, does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not been yet made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This, these scriptures show that we have a special place if you're a believer in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ, you're not a child of God. It's so important that you put your faith and trust in Jesus because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's when you become an heir to the throne. That's when you become a child of God. That's when you're able to experience the Father's love. You can't remember the Father's love until you know and experience it first. Galatians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of God into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. That word, heir, means sonship, that you get to experience uh, all the things that Jesus himself experiences uh, as we experience his righteousness. That's how our Heavenly Father sees us, as righteous. Even though we're sinners, even though we fall short of the glory of God, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you get to experience being an heir to the throne. You get to experience the Father's love. Listen, when I was growing up, I thought my parents were unreasonable because they told me to take out the garbage and be home by 11 o'clock when I was in high school. I thought that was ridiculous. I thought that was crazy. Uh, can you imagine being Jesus, the Heavenly Father, telling you to do a few things? Will you give your life for sinners? Yes, I will. Will you leave heaven to be born in a stable, but before you're born, you're going to spend nine months in a womb, and then after you're born, you're going to live as a poor person among a bunch of dirty, rotten, awful sinners? Yes, yes, Dad, I will. You're going to live, will you live a life of perfect obedience, never messing up ever for, for over 30 years? Will you do that? Yes, Dad, I will. Will you be betrayed, mocked, beaten, crucified? Yeah, I, I will. Listen, you, you think that was easy? I mean, remember him in the garden? He's sweating blood because he knows the weight that he's going to undertake. And he undertakes all of that, all of that, because of his love for you and his love for me. Are you going to deny that love? He wants to give you that love. He wants to give you that hope. He wants to give you eternal life. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you do that this morning? It's the most important decision that you could ever make. And the way that you do that is you just tell God, 
that I can't do this on my own. I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I need you as Lord and Savior of my life. Take that sin from me. Give me your righteousness. Give me that hope. You can just tell him yourself in your seat here in person or at home. And you can do that right now, the best decision you ever made. And I'm so thankful that being a part of a church that believes in the gospel, that shares the gospel. And this week, uh, during the student ministry, uh, three more students put their faith in Jesus. And we want to celebrate that this morning with these life rings that Jesus has done. An amazing work bringing people from death to life. If you are a believer in Jesus, you get to know the Heavenly Father's love. I think it's just so interesting in our pop culture, the fathers that get lifted up. I mean, these are like the models, right? Uh, of fathers that are the most famous in pop culture. How opposite are they from the Heavenly Father? The love that He gives us. If you're a believer in Jesus, I want to share with you this letter that uh, was given to me this week. And it's from the perspective of a Heavenly Father using scripture and in the back on your way out on the uh, high top tables there's a copy of this letter and I encourage you uh, to grab one on the way out just as a reminder we're going to do something here at the end uh, with this letter but let me read this to you from God's perspective a heavenly father's perspective to us and just picture that embrace that Jacob is giving Joseph and that's an earthly father with an earthly son here's our heavenly father loving us like only he can my child, I know everything about you. I know when you sit down, when you rise up. I'm familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. You are my offspring. I knew you before you were even conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake, for all the days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you should live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in my mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I'm not distant and angry. I'm a complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because you're my child and I'm your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. I am the perfect father. Every good gift you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. I want to show you great and marvelous things. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I'm able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all of your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes. I'll take away the pain that you've suffered on this earth. I am your Father and I love you even as my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that, you, so that you and I could be reconciled. His death is the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. 
When you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will separate you from my love again. Love your dad, almighty God. Isn't that amazing scripture truths for each and every one of us that's in Christ? I'm so grateful for that, and I just want to focus in closing on a couple of these verses because I just think it's just so good. I knew you before you were even conceived. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 uh, verses 4 and 5. Let's look at what it says. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You were not a mistake, for all the days were written in my book. In Psalm 139, it's just such a great chapter on how much our Heavenly Father cares about us. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 31 through 33, For I am your provider, and will meet all of your needs. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'm able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. Ephesians 3, 20. I, I just love uh, this verse because I think so often we limit what our Heavenly Father, uh, how our Heavenly Father can show up in amazing ways. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. I mean, this is the Heavenly Father that created us. Isn't this awesome? Isn't this amazing that in this world where there is trouble, where there is pain, where there is hardship, we know that we have a Heavenly Father that cares for us, that's providing for us, that's in control. So I want us to remember and share these amazing truths about the Father's love. So I want to give you a hint on a few ways that you can remember. Uh, one is that as you take these letters on the way out, you can remember uh, these verses that are in this letter. There's uh, 47 truths that are in this letter. As you start the new year, 2021, you could take one per week and you have a few uh, grace weeks there and you can memorize these verses uh, so that you can remember the Father's love as you go throughout it. You could uh, print out these verses as I've done for you. You make copies and uh, you could cut out all the different verses and just put them all over your house as, as reminders. You could print out your favorite and just put out on the dashboard of your car as you're going throughout your day as a reminder of the Father's love for you. Ways that you can share it as you remember this and you experience the Father's love. I don't know about you, but I just want to start sharing with people because I know there are many people out there that are not God's children that need the Father's love right now, especially in this time. And so ways that you can share it. But we talked about the Christmas invitations. I think that uh, you should do everything you can to invite people. We want to partner with you 
uh, as the church to be able to share the gospel with people. You can be 100% certain that if you invite someone that's not yet a child of God to come, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear hope. They're going to hear about joy that can only be found in Christ. Take a chance to invite someone. Share on, on social media. Maybe you learned a little bit this morning about the Father's love for you, and you can just post something on social media about that. Uh, share the Father's love that way. Or you can send some text to a friend and say, hey, I was sitting in church. I learned this about the Father's love. Just wanted to let you know I'm, I'm praying for you. Here's a verse to, to encourage you. Just to take a step out to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the Father's love. As we looked at this story about uh, Jacob and, and Joseph and the emotion of a reunion after 22 years, there's something about that reunion. When we see military reunions, there's something about that reunion that stirs something inside of us because we're built to have a father's love. And so I want you to know that if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, you have the father's love. He's lavished it on you. And we need to remember it, and we need to share it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you're so gracious to me and to all of us, that we don't deserve the Father's love. On our own, we are far away from you. On our own, we reject you. But I pray, God, that you help us to remember the love that you've lavished on us through your Son, Jesus. Help us to remember, even when we're going through tough times, that you are in control, that you are on your throne, and you are good. And so I pray, God, that all of us will remember, all of us would share this week as we have experienced goodness that can only come from you. In Jesus' name, amen.